0: Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and
1: TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing.
2: Jimmy B and TC here on the Big Talker 1700 with you until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Mitch Sherman, our man from ESPN.com. He covers the Big 12. Covers some big 10 as well and he'll be in iowa city for week number one marching orders huh mitch
3: yeah it was good to get the week one assignment um and it'll be outstanding to be back uh in iowa city uh back at kinnick uh, spent so much time there in uh that great season uh, that great season when iowa made the uh, run to the rose bowl in 2015 and then was mostly around the big 12 last year but uh Expect to be back there on September second. Check out the Hawkeyes. Check out Wyoming and Josh Allen, who is uh, you know kind of a in the shadows Heisman candidate to begin the season, and interested, of course, in what is happening all of this month and leading up to that game with Iowa and its quarterback situation.
2: Well, Mitch, uh, I'm sure you haven't really dug in real deep to Wyoming quite yet, as we're still a few weeks away from the kickoff of the season. But but it's funny; it seems like. There are two schools of thought out there right now when people look at that opener for the Hawkeyes. There's a side that says, "Hey, just like you mentioned, Allen, possibility of a guy being the number one pick in the NFL draft. Can do all the things. They're going to score points, and can Iowa keep up with them? There's the other side that says, Iowa's played teams like this, teams that have come in with this kind of experience at the quarterback position and question marks everywhere else, and they're just going to kind of pound them into submission. Wyoming struggled to stop the run last year what school of thought are you in right now tight game or do you feel confident that i was going to be able to control this by a couple of scores
3: well there's so many unknowns in week one and that goes for just about every team in the country so you know we don't know the identity of this iowa team if it's going to be one of those grinded out teams i mean you would think that uh... with with having a strength at, at running back with wadley and butler um, that, uh, Iowa will be a team again. I would sh- I'm, sh- I'm certain that Iowa will be a team that at least that wants to rely on that run, that wants to lean on a, its offensive line. And that, to me, is, is the recipe for success against Wyoming because you want to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. We know he's an extremely talented guy, has a huge arm. I saw him early in his career at Nebraska, um, in a similar type game, uh, give the Huskers a, a run. And I think it was a, t- it was a 10 point game. Um, and, that this is a, a, a similar challenge and a much more seasoned guy in Josh Allen than he was uh, he he was in, in that game. So um, I, I I don't I can't sit here right now on August seventh and expect and say that I expect to see Iowa pound Wyoming into submission. Um, I know Craig Bowl the coach over there um, and the kind of toughness that he breathes in his teams. Uh, you know, people are familiar uh, despite it being on the fcs level with what he did at north dakota state and building that thing into into a giant um i know iowa is all too familiar with that um although bull was 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 long gone from uh from north dakota state by the time that they the bison came into into iowa city last year but uh regardless it was it was the leftovers of his program so Um, I'm sure that will be on the minds of some people as uh, the Cowboys gear up to come to Iowa City. But I would say just because of the the star power with Josh Allen um, and some of the newness uh, around the Iowa program at key positions, I'd expect this thing to be a competitive uh, game that goes into the fourth quarter.
2: It should be a fun one kicking things off. 11 o'clock, Wyoming and Iowa in Iowa City. Mitch Sherman with ESPN.com. He will be there as well. All right, Mitch, uh, from there, let's jump over. I want to talk some Big 12 with you. And as we are in the month of August, the expectations ramp up. And, and much like baseball during spring training, you know, everybody feels like they have a shot. This is our year. Same kind of thing happens in certain levels for college football. and And I can feel it happening up in Ames right now. The expectations in the fan base continue to ratchet up. Hey, it's not from, hey, we're going to be more competitive this year. Now you're hearing more and more. We're going to win six games. It's going to be a bowl team. You know, those kind of things that are out there, at least inside of the fan base. When you look at Iowa State, what are your expectations and and what needs to happen for them to make that next step? Even if it isn't six wins in a bowl game, what would you like to see out of this squad this year?
3: Yeah, my enthusiasm about Iowa State is not something that has gotten ramped up since Big 12 media days or in the late stages of summer um, as you get into camp. You know, you described that. That general excitement when you get back to practice, your adrenaline goes, whether you're a coach or a player or a fan, and you always maybe dream a little bit bigger than 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 what it uh, realistically is going to be. I've been enthusiastic and optimistic about Iowa State since early in the off season, um, and you know some of that is from time I spent with Matt Campbell last year, and uh, chances to talk to him through this off season, but I don't think you have to be overly optimistic to expect that six wins and a bowl bid is is potentially in the cards for Iowa State. You, don't, you know, that doesn't have to be the, you know, if everything works out right, then maybe Iowa State can get to six wins. That's not how I look at it. I look at it like you can have a regular season where some things are going to go against you, some things are going to go for you. You look at the schedule. You look at the players at important positions. And I think this can be a year where Iowa State does that and doesn't have to significantly overachieve. Now, what has to happen? They have to have good play uh on the offensive and defensive lines. You know, the skill spots barring injuries are in relatively good good order at Iowa State. Uh in the defensive backfield, at the running back spot, at the receiver spots. I think it's good at quarterback with Jacob Park. So you gotta be able to block for him in Montgomery uh, in the other backs and you've got to be able to get some pressure on the opposing quarterbacks and Iowa State loses a lot uh from a patchwork offensive line a year ago. Um, and, and then on the defensive side, you're relying on some junior college guys. So if they can make those things work at a serviceable level, then I think I would say it's a good enough team that can have a, uh, a 500 record or slightly better.
2: You know, in the Big 12 this year, it's Oklahoma, then Oklahoma State, maybe Texas. I want to get your thoughts on the Longhorns. As as you look at this squad and you look at Texas, what Tom Herman has done in the past, he seemingly everywhere he's gone, even as an assistant coach, there's been big improvements that had. Looking back at the Charlie regime, what happened, the way that he he was able to go out there and recruit at a pretty high level, what's still around? What's your expectation for them this year? Is it... Eh, they'll get back to a bowl game. They'll be seven, eight wins. Or could you see more than that from this Texas team?
3: Well, I don't see them in the playoff conversation. I I do see them as a bowl team. Um, you know, if, if you're going to talk about Iowa State as a bowl team, and, you, and then you compare Iowa State's talent to Texas's talent across the board, position by position, it's. I mean, unfortunately for Iowa State, it's not a good not a good comparison. Texas has Texas is loaded. Had lots of spots, and you know, during the offseason, we went through and graded the Big 12 at ESPN, uh, position group by position group. And and you know, you it's, it's stunning to see where Texas is at and to think that this is a program, a team that has won five games each of the last three years because they're in the top part of the Big 12 in so many of those categories from the defensive line to the running back spots. They, they, they have very good players, Charlie Strong, as you said recruited well and they haven't lost those guys It's not like I mean, they've lost some Deontay Foreman is gone from last year a huge part of that team and uh, if you could plug him into this group I mean you I, w- I would feel a lot better about Texas's chances to do more than get to that seven or eight win plateau but my thought and my expectations about Texas and Tom Herman is that this is a different kind of challenge for him than he's encountered anywhere in his career Cle- clearly different than what he had at say Ohio State where he was not in charge of the program and very much different than what he encountered at Houston I mean it was a an under the radar place where hey if you won eight games they were gonna throw you a parade um, you know when 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 Houston went in and knocked off Florida State and knocked off Oklahoma I mean those were landmark moments for that program uh, and and for that athletic department those are things that are expected at Texas so i think you have to you have to approach it if you're Tom Herman from a little bit different place and i think he will as the season goes on continue to adjust to that i think he has tried in some ways to force his ways his coaching style on texas and that's fine because you got to get these guys thinking right you got to get these guys in the tom herman mindset and it, 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 they don't have time to sit around and be a 6-7 win program for multiple seasons, or in some people's eyes, even one season. But I, I, I think it's a different challenge. I think they probably are a seven- or eight-win team this year. Mitch, it was
2: two months ago today, the uh, shocking news to many, mm. Bob Stoops stepping down at Oklahoma June 7th. As you look back upon it, Lincoln Riley taking the helm. Uh, I, I personally believe, I think we've talked about this this summer, Mitch, I, I think there's got to be some kind of step back, you'd think, maybe just with what they have running the ship out there at the quarterback position. That's not going to be the case here. But but looking back upon it, Bob Stoops, what do you think is next? Is his coaching career over, or do you see him popping up another spot and secondly Oklahoma this year?
3: I don't think – I think it's over. I, I And I, I know a lot of Big 12 coaches, you know, I heard Gary Patterson talk about this in Dallas at Big 12 media days. There's a lot of people – Bob Boldsby talked about it. There's a lot of people that are hoping – that there's another chapter out there for Bob Stoops in college football, whether it's in coaching or some other kind of role. And, you know, he's a special assistant to the athletic director now. And um reading Jake Trotter's story uh, on ESPN.com today about Stoops and and the uh, events that led up to his surprise announcement. I mean, you get the hint that he's going to be around the program and he'll be out there maybe at practices. He'll be around the stadium at games, maybe not everyone, but he's not going to be, be become lost. Um I think that's what it's going to be for the, the time, for the, this time, the short ter- term, and and likely the long term. Now, could he have a change of heart? Could his boys graduate high school? Could he get bored? Sure, but in, in a lot of for a lot of people who've been in this spot before to retire young, that's what happens. But I think there are different uh, there are different things at work here with Bob Stoops. The, the number one thing that jumps back into my mind, and this was prominent in in Jake's story that that came out today is looking back at his father, Ron Stoops Sr., who uh, died of a heart attack uh, while coaching in a, in, a, in a high school game um, at an age younger than what Bob is now. I think that that loomed even larger than, than what he has said, and he hasn't tried to hide the fact that it was an important factor. He wants to be able to live out his life and allow his family be there to to have that time with him, to be there with his family as his kids grow up and get married and have children of their own. I think mean, he wants to be a, a to be a grandfather and experience some of the things that he didn't get to experience with his own dad. And, and if he if he if he turns his back on this decision that he made two months ago and decides to go back into coaching, uh, you know, then I, I think in some ways he's not. He would see it as not holding up his end of 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 that that side of things so um and and where else would you go i mean is he going to go to the nfl i I don't think he wants to take on that challenge i mean he had one of the best jobs certainly in all of college sports so uh, i don't know what he would strive to do i i I expect that we've seen the last of him on the sidelines as a college coach And, and i and i acknowledge that my opinion is probably not the most the most um I bet a lot of people share a different opinion with me on that subject.
2: Well, Mitch, you know uh, the people here in this state, they want his sons to walk out of Iowa and he can be a special advisor to the Hawkeyes.
3: There you go. And, and I mean, <laughs> hey, something like that uh, wouldn't put it out of the question. We know he likes to spend some time in Chicago. And if mm-hmm. his sons end up at Iowa and following in the uh, in the Stooks' legacy – and I'm sure you will see a lot of Bob Stoops around Iowa City in those years.
2: I think a lot of people be happy about that and put quite the bow on what happened uh, way back in 1998, the uh, right before the new year, as it was down to Bob Stoops, Kirk Ferrets, and, well, we know the rest right. is history uh, the way that one went. Hey, before we let you go, Mitch, I want to talk a little about your home state team there, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, as they get ready for a year. The expectations, I think, uh, different areas depending on what segment you're kind of talking to here Is it, here's question number one about Nebraska, in in my mind. The quarterback spot, Tanner Lee, from the outside looking in, this seems crazy. A guy that had pretty pedestrian stats at at Tulane, sure, looks the part, absolutely. But then all of a sudden he's over in Chicago, at Big Ten media day. From the outside looking in, a very odd circumstance. Why are the people at Nebraska so excited about Lee? I think
3: they want something to be excited about. And I don't mean that as a disservice to the people at Nebraska, but mm-hmm. uh, you, look, I mean, he hasn't played. Um, you see him as a commanding figure in the pocket. You see him as a guy who can fit into the offensive system that Mike Riley and offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf are, are accustomed to running from their time at Oregon State and had success with quarterbacks with lesser skills than Tanner Lee. You hear some of the things that people have said about this guy uh, on the summer camp circuit. Um, and and I, I think there's a tendency to to um, uh, to, to throw away uh, to, or to diminish some of those numbers that you mentioned from Tulane because of perhaps what he had around him there. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of hype. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. Um, I also don't think it's going to happen right out of the gate. I think he's going to need some time. I don't think this Nebraska uh, can't afford to be a team that relies on him early in the season. Um, case in point, don't go to Oregon and expect Tanner Lee to win that game for you. Hope that your defense, if you're Nebraska, under under new defensive coordinator and former UConn head coach, Notre Dame defensive coordinator Bob Diaco, can have something cooked up to stop Oregon in, in that September game. And don't put it on the shoulders of your inexperienced quarterback. Um, in time, I think he'll develop into a good player. I think he can be a legitimate NFL prospect, and that's getting ahead of ourselves. I say that mainly based off of just his 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 size, his what, what appears to be his arm strength, the good head on his shoulders. It would seem if he has the right coaching, that he's a guy you can turn into that kind of a player, but I don't expect him here in September of 2017 to be that guy. We're talking uh, two years down the road before I, I think he can be that kind of a player. So um, it'll be, in, in my eyes, a slow build for them to get to the team they want to be behind Tanner Lee but um, you know maybe an exciting year for Nebraska and that they should see growth on both sides of the ball from week 1 until the end of November
2: well last year uh, kind of the wheels fell off at the end of the season that loss to Iowa kind of the biggest part about it there what does mm-hmm. Mike Riley have to do short of you know winning the division something like that you know does a, a 8 and 4 type of season keep at least uh, some of the barking dogs at bay or how is the temperament, I guess, of the fan base as it pertains to Riley right now?
3: Well, there aren't really a lot of barking dogs right now. Um, Nebraska had a four-game improvement from year one to year two under Riley, and I think there's a lot of people, myself included, that that, that could, could certainly envision a step back this year from the nine wins of, of last season. Nebraska had a pretty good thing going in midseason until it lost that, that close game at Wisconsin, and then things fell apart when Tommy Armstrong got hurt at Ohio State a blowout loss there. You mentioned the Iowa game, the Tennessee game in the bowl, in, in the bowl, the music city bowl. It was not the way that anybody uh, in Nebraska or Nebraska fans wanted that, that season to end, uh, obviously. So there's a little bit of a sour taste left in people's mouths, And I think nationally and around the big 10, uh, people remember the end of the season uh, and, and not as much as they do the way that Nebraska started and, and how well Nebraska played, uh, especially in comparison to 2015 through the first two months of, of last season. So, um, you know, you balance that out. Um, you'd rather play well at the end of the year than than early in the year. But you balance out everything that happened, and I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, it, you know, if Nebraska goes five and seven, then he is. Um, I still don't necessarily think that he would lose his job after three years, but he um, would certainly be somebody who uh, who who you, you would need to reevaluate things and look at whether this was the right choice. If they go seven and seven and five, eight and four, you know, it's not uh, what what a lot of people want. People want to see at least nine wins. I would say. Um, you know, I, I, think they would, it depends on how it happens. If it's, if it's like last year where the bottom falls out at the end, then there are going to be disgruntled people. If, uh, if as I mentioned in the, the previous answer, you see growth in this team offensively and defensively, you see promise in knowing that a lot of players will be back and Diaco will be back for a second year in 2018. And Tanner Lee will be, will be back at quarterback for a second year in 2018. And this team is better, uh, in November than it was in September, uh, e- even winning seven or eight games, then I think there's a-, a reason for Nebraska to be optimistic and for people to have faith in Mike Riley going into uh, into next year.
2: Well, let you go with this, Mitch. Uh, speaking of the Iowa-Nebraska rivalry you know, here in Central Iowa. Uh, there's yeah, some Cornhusker fans scattered about, but it's not as big as Iowa, Iowa State is uh, here in central Iowa. I grew up in north Iowa, uh, where I grew up. There were some Gopher fans around. That was big. And you go to Dubuque, it's Wisconsin. But, but there in Omaha, in your home base, the Iowa-Nebraska mm-hmm. rivalry, I'm sure it's growing. I'm sure it's building. I'm sure the Hawkeye fans like to rub in its three of the last four, and uh, without a fourth-quarter collapse, it'd be four straight in the series. How was that rivalry looked at from both sides?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up in, in describing the, the geographical uh, the geographical situation. I mean, you can make a case that Omaha, uh, being a, a population center, or certainly a population center, the population center, I suppose, uh, in, in this two-state region, uh, is the epicenter of the Nebraska-Iowa, the Iowa-Nebraska, whatever you want to call it, rivalry. Um, there are a lot of Iowa people around the city of Omaha, and, and definitely as you get into southwestern iowa but even in the city of omaha there there are a lot of iowa people and you hear you have neighbors uh who 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 fly the flag um of and and of course so many nebraska fans i I think it's it's grown a lot in the five years that nebraska has been in the big 12 i'm sorry the big 10 um it has uh it it has taken on um more significance uh because of the way some of the games have gone um you mentioned the Iowa collapse in the fourth quarter at uh Kinnick a few years ago which was Bo Pelini's last game um the comments in the wake of that game that were made by Nebraska athletic director Sean Eichhorst um, the season that followed when Iowa came to Lincoln undefeated and the desire of Nebraska and Nebraska fans to knock Iowa from its 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 perch high on the polls that i think added some fuel to this thing you know it's it's it was never going to be uh, whether you're in Omaha or Des Moines or Iowa city or Lincoln, wherever you are, it's never going to be a rivalry. I don't think that um, had this great magic from the very beginning, but as the year, years go on and there's history between, between these teams, real history on the field, uh, it grows and Omaha being uh, a, a center of a lot of activity where Iowa fans and Nebraska fans cross paths often uh, is uh is a hot spot for this rivalry and, As you go around town here, um, you hear a lot of talk about it 12 months out of the year.
2: Mitch Sherman, ESPN.com, with us on the Draft House 50 hotline. As always, Mitch, thanks for your time today. We'll do it again soon. Football season getting really close, and uh, you can feel it. The excitement's in the air.
3: Definitely, Trent. Looking forward to uh, talking to you again soon.
2: Appreciate Mitch's time, as always. We'll take a break. When we come back on the other side, Jimmy, be back with us as uh, we'll get Jimmy B. going on a number of different things. Baseball over the weekend, eh, we'll see if Jimmy B. wants to talk baseball. We'll, we'll just see what the old man, what he's got up to sleeve. We'll have some fun with him coming up here. Jimmy B. and TC on the Big Talker 1700. We're back
1: with more in a moment. The big games play here. Westwood One Sports on Des Moines Station for News Talk Sports. 1700
4: KBGG.
5: Since 1920, Bolton & Hay has been the industry leader as a supplier to the food service industry. Everyone can cook like the pros with the latest and greatest cooking supplies and accessories. Let their experts help you select the perfect kitchen equipment and utensils to meet your needs. Bring out your inner chef with one of their monthly cooking classes. Visit their showroom, exit I-235 at East Euclid, 2701 Delaware, or visit their website at boltonhay.com. They can really make you cook.
1: Like all of you out there, Michael Lindell, the inventor of My Pillow, had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat.
6: get ready, Chiefs Kingdom. The 2017 football season is right around the corner and season tickets are on sale now. Join in on the action at Arrowhead
4: Stadium, where your Kansas City Chiefs will play host to the Steelers, Eagles, Broncos, Raiders, and more. Preseason starts on August 11th against the 49ers, so
6: hurry and get your tickets now. For more information or to purchase tickets, go to Chiefs.com or call 1-888-99-CHIEFS. That's
1: 1-888-99-CHIEFS. The key to success? Keep it simple, especially when it comes to hiring. And nobody makes it easier than Indeed.com.
6: Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions. Manage your candidates from one dashboard.
1: According to an independent study, five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. New users claim your $50 credit to post a sponsored job at Indeed.com slash credit. Indeed, the world's number one job site.
6: Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply.
2: Guys don't really talk about antiperspirant. Despite that, 91% of Dove Men Plus Care users recommend it. Here's what they said.
3: It blocks the, you know, perspiration, I think is the fancy word. It's comfortable.
2: Uh, <laughs> it smells nice. My girl likes the smell. Well, it's, it, I, I don't know, it's hard. I think it's quite masculine. My underarms aren't the worst thing at the gym. It's kind of like the Hoover Dam from my armpits, I guess. Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant.
0: Tough on sweat, not on skin. Restaurant.
1: At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction
0: projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company and we're still a roofing company today. As many of you know, severe weather and hail swept through central Iowa and the Des Moines Metro. Wolf Construction was here long before these storms, and will be here long after. We're much more than a pickup and a ladder. A roofing team is here to serve you for years to come. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take
3: your roof personally.
4: See you soon.
2: Hey, it's Jimmy B and TC for Draft House Fifty on Mills Civic Parkway in West Des Moines. Hey, Draft House Fifty
6: has forty-seven big-screen TVs for great viewing of any game: football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, tennis—you name it. Hey, the Draft House Fifty can get it—even cricket.
1: Order!
0: TV one hundred dealers for internet equipment non on the fees and conditions apply. Call for details. Offer ends one twenty one seventeen.
2: Hey, it's Trent Condon here from Jimmy B and T C. If you've been talking and thinking about improving your health, I have an idea for you. Do what I did
1: back to the wolf construction roofing studio sponsored by wolf construction roofing it's jimmy b and tc
6: Welcome back, everybody. We continue to roll on all the way till the top of the hour, Jimmy B and TC. All right, Trent, let's get into a a couple of things here. Where are you headed this evening? What uh, floats your boat tonight?
2: Uh, Do we get big three basketball? Is that monstrosity still happening?
6: Yes, it is. Okay,
2: okay. Um, I'll probably dip into that then a little bit, as long as I remember. I've had a couple of times (laughs) this summer where I've been excited (laughs) for it, and then I forget to actually do it, you know? (laughs)
6: i can understand that old age catching up to you i get it it happens perfectly it happens it does happen yeah i will i will probably because you and i are both late night guys i will probably sample some of the cubs and the giants uh just because i want to see now that the nationals went in and had success at wrigley Uh, The Diamondbacks were there before the Nats and had success at Wrigley. And I took some Twitter heat when I said it was still going to be a bumpy ride. Well, guess what? It's still going to be a bumpy ride uh, for this team. Half-game lead is all they have right now in the Central. Oh, and don't look over your shoulder, but the Pirates and the Cardinals are still right there. Both of them under five games behind. Trent, look, I... I know the Giants are lousy. Mm-hmm. They are. Yep. They are. They're lousy. But as you always say, it's baseball. It is. And anything can happen. Anything can happen in baseball. You and I both know that.
2: You know. And here's another thing. So they got uh, this time. They're they're dressing up again for another road trip. You know. We we know Madden likes to do these fun yep. things, keep people interested, have a, have them, get, have a good time. All these uh, parts about it, but. Jimmy B, I saw some, uh, some rankled Cub fans on Twitter yesterday about uh-huh. this, saying, you know, the last time you did something like this, you promptly went out to the West Coast and lost six straight games. How about you just go out there and make this one a business trip?
6: Uh-huh. I, I get that. I get that. I- they got to start taking care of some business. Yeah. I know that when- I know when they went on that little run and they won, what, four or five in a row. Okay, here we go. All right, we're rolling. We're rolling now. And boom. They get matched up against a couple of good teams, and look what happens. So I'm, I'm still not sold on them. I still anticipate that they will win that division uh, because the other teams just aren't good enough mm-hmm. to stay with them. But Trent, I I people, oh, they're going to win the division now by 10 to 15 games. No, they're not. Not going to happen. And if they struggle on this West Coast trip, oh, good golly. Oh, my God. I can see all of Chicago and Des Moines Cubs fans just coming totally unglued. I really can't.
2: Let's go down this road, Jimmy B. You, you mentioned Milwaukee now just a half game back as they've at least uh, slowed things down as they were heading down a terrible train uh, coming out of the break. St. Louis, they've cut it back. They're back uh, three and a half, and then and the Pirates. Who's the team, just as it pertains to winning the division, who's the team you'd be most concerned about if you were a Cubs fan right now?
6: In the division, who would I be most concerned about? I don't know if Milwaukee can. I I would have said the Brewers earlier. And the Cardinals are still, even though they're three and a half back, they're still under 500. Mm Mm-hmm. I would I'm, – I'm not sold on the Pirates, even though they're hanging around. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to stay with Milwaukee, Trent. All right. I, I know I know that's laughable because we thought that, you know, maybe next year would be their year. Yeah. But, but when the Cubs made the playoffs two years ago, weren't people saying, well, they got there sooner than we anticipated. It should have been the following year. I think the Brewers are having a similar run to what the Cubs had two years ago.
2: We know what should happen here. The Cubs should catch fire kind of like they did out of the break, go out yeah. there and take this division. But they're still not. Uh, we're now a week into August, and they still haven't seized control like uh, I, I expected them to do. And, and it just kind of mm-hmm. it continues. You're waiting for it to finally happen. For Maybe you're right. Maybe you're absolutely right that this is just going to be what this team is. After what they did coming out of the break, I figured – This thing is over, but we're back to the same kind of conversations. So I want to bring up the Cubs' schedule here. Let's see what they have left against the division mates and just in general. Now, you mentioned it's uh, San Francisco tonight, first to three out there, then to Arizona after that. So an important trip, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. And the
6: Diamondbacks are playing for a wild card here. Yes. They're in it. They're in it. I mean, every win is extremely important for Arizona.
2: After that, they're home for a seven-game home stand. Four with Cincinnati, three with Toronto. Okay. After, okay. After that, then it's on the road. Three for Cincinnati, three with Philadelphia. That's the that's the portion of the schedule right there. Out of those thirteen games, you got to make a big run there. They make a big run. They can put that that distance between them. You're feeling pretty good. That puts you right up till the end of August. If you do that. I think they're in good shape. But if they're still this back and forth, up and down, and they go, I don't know, they, they go 6-7, and seven, you know, over that stretch, over that 13-game stretch, right. against some pretty bad teams, two Cincinnati, Toronto, and the other one against Philadelphia, you have to hope you can do better than that, but will they? And, and with this team, you just don't know. But this is what I really want to see. So they have Pittsburgh, one, two, Two more times with the Pirates. Okay. St. Louis, they have duh, 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 one, two more series. They're okay. three for home in the middle of September, and then the third to uh, second-to-last series, a four-gamer in St. Louis and Milwaukee. How many more do they have left with Milwaukee? It is three at the beginning of September, the 8th through the 10th, and then a four-gamer on the road the 21st through the twenty-fifth of uh, 24th of September. So it, it, it very well could come down, to Jimmy B, to this stretch. They play eight straight on the road against uh, division foes, four at Milwaukee, four at St. Louis, September 21st through the 28th. Is it going to take that long to figure this thing out? I thought it was going to be done beforehand, but I'm starting to go into your line of thinking now, Jimmy B.
6: Okay, well, good. It's about time you started agreeing <laughs> with somebody. Yes. Uh, yes. Look, <laughs> here, here's here's what could take place. It could come down to those dates with the Brewers in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Think about if the Cubs are a half game out like they are now, or a half game in front like they're now, or two and a half out and are, uh, up in front, and how important that series with Milwaukee will be. Look, I'm I'm with you. When they when they play against Cincinnati and Philly and Toronto, they they should they should they should make hay when they play those teams. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean Trent that they will. And I, I I just go back to what you told me all season long. It's baseball. You just don't know. You, you would think that talent would win out. It's different than the NBA. It's different than the NFL, who's got a star quarterback that you can count on to find a way to win the game. It's different than the NHL, who has a stud goalie who's standing on his head and nobody can score on him. In baseball, you just don't know from day to day. And talent doesn't always
2: win out. You know that. So I'm looking through the Cubs' schedule again. Short of that series... After the series over the weekend when they go to Arizona, coming up this weekend, after the Giants series, they'll be there through the weekend. Outside of that, looking at it, they play one team outside the division that has a winning record, and that's a two-game wow. series at Tampa. The, the wow. schedule is incredibly easy. They're done with the Nationals. They're done with the Dodgers. They don't have any crossover in or, any league games you know, against anybody that makes you nervous here. This schedule is about as good as you could hope for if you're a Cubs fan. And on the other side for Milwaukee, the Brewers' schedule, they still got some games left. They they have games coming up at Colorado. They have a three-gamer on the road at Dodger Stadium. They have the Nationals still coming in for a four-game series. So their schedule certainly is much more difficult than what the Cubs have going in the back half of it. And then on top of that, they finish up on the road at St. Louis for three, where the Cubs finish up with Cincinnati. And their last one of the year. So if you're just breaking it down schedule-wise, the Brewers have a much more difficult road than the Cubs do also.
6: Well, look, I, I'm with you. And are the Brewers going to fold their tent? Uh, we've seen it. They, they went through that terrible stretch, mm-hmm. yet here they are, Trent, only a half game back. Right. And And it's because the Cubs went in the tank when they got to play against really good teams, Arizona, Washington. And so from that standpoint, will the Cubs indeed be able to, against those weak clubs, exert and come out of there, out of that was a 13-game stretch, with a winning record? And will the Brewers then be able to hold up and play at least 500 baseball? Sure. I I mean, that's the key. You're absolutely right. Uh, look, do I think the Cardinals have enough talent to make a run Yeah, I guess, but I'm still not counting on them. I don't believe the Pirates can. I I just don't think they have quite enough. I think they're going to hang around and not go away, but I don't think they can make that big run that would move them into the top spot. I am concerned about Milwaukee, Uh and after that it would probably be St. Louis.
2: You know, the good thing uh, from Milwaukee's perspective is they're going to be getting back Chase Anderson Certainly one of their best pitchers earlier this year. Uh, He is going to be starting a rehab assignment coming up this week. They expect him to be ready to go. Three rehab starts is uh, what I saw earlier today uh, when I was reading about it. So three rehab starts for him. He'll be back. You couple that together with uh, Jimmy Nelson, who's been solid. Not great, but solid. A good strikeout Mm -hmm. guy. Zach Davies, who they, they pulled off the scrap heap. And again, he's been decent you know they they just have a bunch of guys that have been pretty decent this year but Anderson's a guy to me that that can kind of be that next step kind of player Garza solid veteran all right you know pretty good and then it comes down to the bullpen and the bullpen that has been uh though inconsistent in some spots overall pretty good they brought in Schwarzk we know about Knebel at the end of it overall if they can just bridge that gap they're in pretty good shape here but getting Chase Anderson back that's a big part of it they need him back, and when he's back, right away, they got to have him pitching at the level that he was before that oblique injury.
6: Right, I, I'm with you on that. Hey, let's uh, let's quickly run back to the uh, American League real fast. All right, and I want to get into some Kansas City Royals conversation. Sure. They they split a they split a uh, split a doubleheader yesterday. Yep. And they are still in the wild card hunt. Uh, only a game out in the uh, last wild card spot. But now the Royals are two and a half behind Cleveland. Cleveland, for some reason, is just like the Cubs. They can't seem to get it going either. And do you really think now that Kansas City, with the veterans that they have on that team, are they going to sputter or are they going to be in this thing until the end?
2: I think they're going to be in it in the end because with the wild card, you have that wiggle room where it's not just hoping you can track down the Indians like we're talking about the Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, and Pirates. That's all it's about because none of those teams we don't think are going to be there also if you don't win the division good enough then to win a wild card because if you don't get it done there, 84, 85 games, I don't think that's enough uh, this year with the way the Rockies and Diamondbacks are playing to get a, a wild card spot. The difference in the American League, though, if the Royals don't chase down the Indians, they still have the wild card sitting there behind them, and, and they can get to that level. So I think, yeah, the Royals, they're going to be at it this whole time. I, I don't see them falling apart or anything like that. And, and most importantly, I don't see anybody running away and hiding from them either. Uh, the Yankees, mm-hmm. if you want to put them there and feel like they're in good shape for that first spot, that wild card spot one, absolutely. For the second one, Royals, Rays, Mariners, Even the Orioles, do you feel confident with any of those teams that they're all of a sudden going to catch fire? I I can't go down that road.
6: I'm not going down that road, but if if you look at the standings right now in the AL West, even the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are are in the wild card hunt. It's amazing how many teams, and and I love the second wild card. I thought it was a stroke of genius to do that, just to keep those different teams in it but it's amazing how many teams still have a legitimate chance of being a wild card team right now in the american league Uh, unbelievable as we as we look even your twins are having i i know i know i know what you're gonna say they're done yes i get it but 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 they're only a couple of games out of that second wild card spot, Trent.
2: I'm just trying to help you out, kid. Yeah, but it's not just about being right now they're three and a half games back of the Royals for the second spot. It's also the number of teams that you have to pass. And Right. The first time I heard that, I'm like, well, that's stupid. You just win games, you're going to be fine. But it's not in a vacuum. It's not just about what you're doing. It's the teams around you. So if you go out and you win 7 out of 10, that's great. But you know what? If the Orioles win 9 out of 10... Yeah, you might have picked up some ground on the Royals or the Rays or the Mariners, but there's the Orioles who were, let's see right now, a game up in front of you, plus they won two extra games. Now they are two games in front of you. So it's not just about what you do, it's what everybody else around you, and, th- and that's what makes it difficult. If you just look at it and say, hey, the Twins are only three and a half games back, oh, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you can make that up in a four-game series. You go and sweep Kansas City, you've taken it, but it's not just about you. The other teams are there, you have to pass them, and that's what makes it more difficult. Hey, at least they're relevant. Watched him again over the weekend. Saw big fat Bartolo Colon throw a, a complete yeah. game. How about that, Jimmy B? I, I, I thought they were going to have to bring
6: the respirator out to the mound. <laughs> I mean, the guy was just unbelievable. But he did. Big sexy with a complete game. That was unbelievable. They left him in to
2: do that. Uh, it, it was fun. He He ran into some trouble early but was able to get it done. Hey, one more uh, baseball note. We got a couple other things we want to hit on, Jimmy B, before we wrap up today. But uh, you saw the news, I'm sure, earlier today. Don Baylor passed away. That that yes. was a sad one. Certainly, yeah. uh, a guy that longtime manager. I remember him. Some of my earliest baseball memories in the '87 World Series. I, I still can picture uh, hitting the home run, first home run of the World Series in 1987 for the Twins. Sad news today of Don Baylor.
6: It is very sad news. Uh, a guy, obviously he lost his battle to cancer. Darren Dalton, the catcher for the Phillies, also yeah. passing away over the weekend as well, and he was even younger. I'll get to Dalton in a moment. I have a, uh, I was there when Dalton was playing in Philadelphia. Uh, but for Don Baylor, this is a guy who played 19 years and, and had success at every level. And Trent, he was a MVP. And he was also manager of the year. Only a couple other guys have done that. I remember one of them is Kurt Gibson. It might have been Joe Torre also, uh, who was a uh, MVP and manager of the year as well. But uh, Baylor was, he was terrific, a big, slugging power hitter, and had a tremendous career, but he lost his battle to cancer. Darren Dalton, the catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, who lost the World Series, and you'll remember this, Joe Carter's home run in Skydome. Remember that, mm-hmm. 92, when he roped it over the left field wall. Darren Dalton was on that Phillies team as the catcher, and he was the leader of that Phillies team, and an extremely popular guy uh, in in the city of brotherly love. And it was uh uh, you know, just sad that you lost uh, two guys like that to that same just god-awful disease, which is known as cancer.
2: Yeah, your, uh, your note there about Manager of the Year and MVP, Frank Robinson, Joe Torre, and okay. Kirk Gibson. okay along uh, with there were Don three. Baylor. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, good. The four guys that have done that. So, yeah, yeah certainly okay. sad news in the baseball world with that one uh, as that ran across uh, yesterday. Yeah, Dalton, one of my favorite guys, a gritty guy. Loved watching yes. him play with those Philly teams of the early '90s. And uh, Jimmy B, that leads us to baseball tonight. You uh, mentioned you're going to keep your eye on that Cubs Giants game. That'll be a late night game, nine o'clock for that one. It'll be Arietta against Matt Moore there. Uh, but we get a couple of good interleague series uh, matchups here with our our local teams, Cardinals and Royals. That should yes. be fun. Seven fifteen tonight, Carlos Martinez against Ian Kennedy, and the uh, Brewers and Twins also. Both will be playing that wraparound series, two at one park, two at the next uh, four-game series that way, and we'll be seeing that throughout this week. So, a lot of good Midwest baseball going on.
6: I like it. I like it. Like I said, I'll uh, I'll be dialed in late night for the Cubs and Giants, and then, of course, I am going to sample what you just talked about. Look, I... I always enjoy the freeway series between St. Louis and Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And it's always a lot of fun. That's a fun rivalry, especially now that both teams are where they are in the standings. And these games are so meaningful for both teams if they want to stay in the playoff hunt.
2: Yes, yeah, you're right. Big importance on both sides of it. And uh, yeah, a fun one going on that'll get going. Well, Jimmy B., we are about out of time, but before we run, uh, uh-huh. we, we did a lot of Hawkeye talk earlier in the show. We had Tom Caker on earlier today. Tomorrow we'll turn our attention back to the Cyclones perspective, and we'll have Alex Halstead on the show in his normal Tuesday spot. But, uh, Jimmy B., did you see John Rothstein, longtime time uh, CBS writer, writes over at FanRag Sports, did you see where he had Iowa State basketball in his uh, offseason power rankings? No, I missed that. Tell me where. 10. Number Mm. 10. (laughs) Yes. We're going to dive into this a little bit more
6: tomorrow.
2: Wow. Wow. Here's his power rankings for the upcoming basketball season. No surprise. Kansas 1, West Virginia 2, TCU 3. I think most everybody... Top two, I would certain. buy into that. Yep. Yeah, I buy into that. Yep, absolutely. Top two is easy. We're we're kind of in the same boat him with TCU. Then it goes Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and at number ten, the Iowa State Cyclones. Wow. If that happens, Jimmy wow. B, oh, we're, we're gonna have some oh. upset Cyclone fans this winter. We told you it's the Magical
6: Mystery Tour, Steve Prohm's Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, that's that's going to be a lot of fun
2: with Alex Halstead tomorrow. Jimmy B and TC out of time for today. We'll do it again tomorrow at noon here on the Big Talker 1700. Thanks, everybody, for listening.
4: Hey, Des Moines, I'm Dave Ramsey. Join me every Monday through Friday from 9 till noon. Courtesy of
1: Mediacom Careers on 1700 KBGG.
2: 8866 or online wolfconstruction.net
5: Kate here with Food Dudes Delivery. Are you tired of the same old delivery options? Food Dudes Delivery can solve that problem for you. We deliver for restaurants that don't do delivery. Order through us at fooddudesdelivery.com Place your order for lunch today, dinner tonight, or your office party tomorrow at fooddudesdelivery.com Ready? Okay. S-T-U-D-Y those yellow pencils high let's study yeah yeah let's study we've lowered prices on school supplies all season long to put some pep in your back to school prep right now up and up 24 count yellow pencils are only 120 and five star one subject notebooks are only 279 target's got everything you need to ready set go back to school r-e-a-d-y now we've got your school supplies get ready yeah yeah get ready prices may vary
4: At AutoZone, we like to make tough jobs a little easier, which is why we're making sure you can quickly get the parts you need when you need them. Right now, you can buy online and pick up in store, making it easy to get a proven tough dual ass battery, brake pads, or even the tools to get the job done right. Just order what you need online, and you can pick up in store the same day so you can spend more time doing what you do best, like making a tough job look easy. Let's get you what you need. Restrictions and details in store. Get
1: in the zone. AutoZone. Like all of you out there, Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. This is a court-ordered notice. Current and former BMW, Mazda, Subaru, and Toyota owners or lessees can receive payments and other benefits from a legal settlement related to allegedly defective Takata airbags in their vehicles. To see if your vehicle is included and to file a claim, go to AutoAirbagSettlement.com or call 1-888-735-5596. That's AutoAirbagSettlement.com or 1-888-735-5596. Napa know how. The Napa Legend Battery does legendary things. Like starting your car when the heat index hits a buck twenty-five or making sure your AC stays running like a gazelle. And now when you buy a Napa Legend battery, you'll get a prepaid Visa card by mail worth $15. $15 back and a new battery? That's not just legendary. That's Napa Know-how. Napa know-how! At participating Napa Auto Parts Stores. Offer expires 831-17.
3: You don't need more sports, but you want more.